Welcome back, welcome back everybody to another exciting episode of the pre-admission game. I'm going to reverse the introductions today because it's just exciting and I think we need to freshen freshen up the format a little bit. I reckon my, my co-host will introduce themselves first for yeah. the millionth time. Who am I sitting across from? You're sitting across from Mitchell Gordon and we are, I suppose, yeah, we're, we're like an old married couple at this point, just trying to shake up our lives. Shake things up, spice yeah. things up, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, Aaron, now that oh, I've introduced you. myself first, you know, <laughs> you're going to introduce yourself. Yeah. I was worried that we're going to forget about me and then people will be listening to this and they'll be like, who's the other person talking? Who's the, the better co-host? I want to know his name. Um, anyway, yes, yeah, sorry. My name is Aaron um, and we're bringing you the pre-admission game. And today's episode, um, since we're moving uh, sort of slowly but surely towards interview season and, you know, we've sat... Um, or we're about to sit the March Gamsat and after the March Gamsat, we're you know, going to start changing pace and thinking about how we're going to prepare for a potential offer. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk about the two most important elements of an interview, right? Uh, the parts that I think are most often neglected, especially when you're preparing for the interview and you're tunnel visioning and what you're actually going to say. Mitch, mm. what are the two parts of the interview that we're going to focus on today? Your cologne choice. That's and, right. No. And your how fresh your, your glasses yeah. should be. Which cloud shoes you should wear. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to talk about uh, the beginning and the end. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, Christ. You know, <laughs> I'm struggling uh, enough with the middle. Um, <laughs> please just help me with that. Yes, but also, uh, you know, the middle is, is, I guess, in a way, stock standard. There are correct things to say and there are mm. wrong things to say. The way you open and make an impression and the way you close and concisely end an interview, I think are two huge components of your final mark and the impression mm. that you leave your interviewer with. Uh, and they're the things that people most often get wrong. People a- really just brutalize. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And the, I think Aaron comes from a place of, you know, reasonable, um, you know, psychological foundations, really. People, people are, are biased towards their first impression of you and their last, you know, memory that they have of you mm. that Which, is the the beginning mm. and the end of your of your interview so it is well worth us spending yeah. a little bit of time to make sure that you guys are all on the right track absolutely and, and you know it's not that unreasonable to be honest because you walk into a room you've got to gain the patient's trust it's an uphill battle if you walk into a room as a doctor and, and you do something absolutely ridiculous or you know you're weird and they sort of don't, don't vibe with you. That's that's a little bit of lingo for the millennials and the Gen Z. <laughs> your vibes are off when you, when you enter the exam room. Um, you, you know, you, the relationship starts at the beginning and the reassurance comes at the end and everything in the middle is sort of, I think, um, I, I think, you know, especially if you're unwell and you're in hospital, sometimes gets gets missed. It's not, it's not the meat in the sandwich, yeah. it's the salad in the sandwich. It's, it's the salad. It's, it's yeah. a salad sandwich. Yeah, the, the nice bits are... The, the gluten-free buns. The, <laughs> the gluten-free buns at the beginning and the end. Um, okay, so without further ado, Aaron, what would you say is, you know, where would you want to start when you're thinking absolutely. about where to start yeah. in the in the, the interview? That's right. So we're, we're going to sort of be grossly talking about uh, MMIs, but really this applies to all interview formats. Uh, I guess the, the interview really begins when you're outside the door, mm-hmm. right? Because that's when you have to compose yourself. So that's when you take your deep breaths, right? You try and firstly clear your mind of racing thoughts, right? And then you try and set yourself up for your entry, okay? So your entry is going to be, first of all, you know, what you're going to do? Are you going to knock on the door? right? Um, what you're going to say the moment you step through, 
right? And how you're going to make your way towards the, the interview chair, mm. right? And all of these things have to be very purposeful. Now, Mitch, did you knock on the door before you entered? No. Do you remember? You don't. You didn't. I definitely didn't. I That's know terrible. why. He the, just uh, sort of, if anybody's ever seen Seinfeld, Mitch just sort of Kramer did through the door. He just <laughs> slammed the door open and slid his way Kramer, in. Kramer has been cancelled. That's right. Kramer <laughs> is cancelled. We don't talk about Kramer. Right. As is doing the Kramer through the, the interview, <laughs> interview but doorway. But yeah. it depends on the environment, right? If, you, if, if people may not be expecting you to come and it's very polite to knock. If I was walking into anyone's office for any stock standard meeting or interview, I would definitely knock. Um, however, in the MMI context, often there's a big buzzer that goes off. Mm. And, you know, if there's an, a big ant sound to announce every candidate's entry into the room, you're wasting precious seconds by knocking and then saying, hello, can I come in? It's obvious itself. You know, the, mm. the, the interviewer is fully expecting you to come in. And if you, you know want to sit outside for part of your interview station <laughs> i think i think that, that's okay <laughs> it's not okay i think it sort of shows a, a, a slight lack of kind of um it's confidence or initiative confidence and initiative exactly you you know that that you should be going in because the that what you need to be doing is getting into that interview mm. station as and fast as possible again this might seem like somewhat silly advice but you got to think about this in the medical context in the medical field right? We're not working with computer science, right? There's, there's a huge subjective component to the exam. And you know, you've got to reason your way through the tests that you order. So it, it, there's, there's no absolute certainty about anything, you just have to have confidence in your own skill set and know that if you're following some sort of reasonable protocol, right, you're doing the right thing. Mm. And I guess when the buzzer goes off, Right. Everybody knows that you're nervous, you know, especially the, the interviewers, many of whom you know, are practicing clinicians and they know what it feels like to be interviewed. Right. What they're looking for is you being nervous, but understanding that, you know, you're doing the right thing. You're a reasonable human being and you're there to present the best of yourself mm. um, with, with a knock and, and the hello. I think sometimes people get caught up and, you know, should I do it? Should I not do it? Um, I agree with Mitch regarding wasting precious time. If you want to give a quick tap on the door, that's probably also okay. I think at the end of the day, um, don't labor too much over that because think about it, if you were on the other side of that interview door and you were interviewing, right, you wouldn't really be put off by somebody doing a quick knock, right, or walking in and saying hello. You would be put off if somebody took a huge amount of time to do it or, mm. you know, they, you know, opened the door slightly and said, oh, sir, can I please come into the, like, the, the all of these the weird things they, they'd be put off by, but sort of within reason. It's okay. okay. So we've talked about the knock. Gosh, we're going, we're going into a That's lot right. of detail. Should we do here, another ladies? 20 minutes on the knock, guys? <laughs> so look, you've, you've opened the door and hopefully you're still coming across as a human at this point. <laughs> the next thing <laughs> Not you need... all is lost. <laughs> but the next thing you need to do is you need to try and establish rapport with the people as fast as possible. What is the easiest way to do that? Well, you know, you need to give them a smile. So, you know, just try and make a connection with the people that you're interviewing, you know? Do and smile, don't moonwalk, moonwalk backwards into, <laughs> into the seat. So yeah. you're, you're, and it mm. may not be, you know, something that comes across as super contrived, even though it is the most contrived environment ever. You know, you just, you need to just make, you know, a, an acknowledgement that you've met some people, you've made eye contact, and that you are warm and open. You know, the, these are the first moments where someone is making an initial judgment of you, as much as they, I'm sure, are trying to reserve that judgment. You know, if you just give them a nice, friendly smile and sort of say hello appropriately, you know, and move over to your chair, that's, you know, I think the, the best way to, to go about that 
getting into the, the interview to start. That's right. All right, Mitch, what do you reckon? High five or fist bump? I mean, or elbow bump. We, we do live in a, a post-COVID era. Yeah, they, a great big hug with a, a kiss a big, on the cheek. A big yeah. hug, yeah. <laughs> it could be a power move, maybe. It could... <laughs> Not if, a good power move, but... <laughs> You don't want to be doing any power moves in your interview. I think that you is have a, no power. There is there is no power. They know you have no power. People in medicine are abundantly aware of the hierarchy of I suppose hierarchy, but also power dynamics and mm. what is an appropriate thing to be doing in given roles. Mm. I think that's where that's the job. You know, that's part of the job navigating power dynamic, mm. and and that's something that they're you know subconsciously assessing within your interview as well. So, you know, I think. We, we were discussing this before the um, the episode at length, you know, do, do you reach out and, and handshake your, your interviewers? You know, usually you're going to have two people in the room um, that are interviewing you, sometimes three. Are you going to handshake all three people? That's that's going to be very time consuming. It's also going to come across as clunky. Um, and you're I, wasting your time. You know, the time is running. The time is running and you're... And you're Exchanging pleasantries, getting their phone number, and, you know, and kissing them on the cheek. There's no, there's no mark on the schema for you know yeah, pleasantries. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shakes a hand really well. You yeah. know, not limpfish handshake. handshake. Yeah, <laughs> not really that valuable. No, absolutely not. So I look. We would say don't labor these these points. But you know, what am I saying? Labor this point. Do not shake the hand. If Don't labor the handshake. If it's going, if it's going to, if it's going to stall you or um, up, obstruct your flow, you know, if someone breaches out a hand again, it would be a bit unusual if you did not respond with a handshake. Also, if you went for a fist bump when they went for a handshake, <laughs> I think these things are obvious. These I, are all obvious. A, a really like easy sort of point to remember, and, and sort of that, that I try and abide by. And I know this is a little bit archaic, but. Generally speaking, in a situation where you're working with people who are much seen, more senior than you, you sort of you perhaps wait for them to offer you the handshake. It's situation dependent, but if they do, go ahead. Otherwise, it's perfectly okay to just sit down, right, mm. and you know, be pleasant, smile, and, and begin. Yeah, I keep posture. an open body like posture. I would walk, 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 sort of purposefully, not yeah. not jogging over because even though you know that you're in a rush, just walk over to le- at a at, you know a pace that's acceptable and. Mm. You know, you could give them a wave as you come in, but, but just something to say, this is a professional environment. I'm aware of it, and I'm trying to approach this in a way that's time efficient because I want to give you the answer, you know, that I've prepared for this station. Yeah. And there's, there's two ways that you can get yourself in the mindset to do all of this calmly and appropriately. Um, one of the most common pieces of advice is, of course, fake it till you make it, but it's not very productive because, you know, how, how do I fake it if, if I'm not, you know... Brendan Fraser and, and you know an Oscar-winning actor. How how exactly do I go about doing that? Well, the thing is that uh, I was given really useful advice. I think it was way back in high school by one of my um, teachers, who was also a professor, and he said, you know, you're sitting this interview, right, and you yourself think that you're worthy of doing medicine, right? If you if you didn't think that you were a worthy candidate or that you would make a good doctor, you know, what the hell are you doing in that room? Like, why are you purposefully trying to? contribute something bad to the medical field. No, that's not what you're doing. You, you believe that you will be a good medical doctor, right? So therefore, what you're there to do, right, is to show that value that you know that you have to somebody else, right? So you're proving, you're proving your value that you know is present, right? And if you sort of cognitively, re- cognitively restructure, right, that interview as you demonstrating your capabilities rather than a test of your character, right? Perhaps it would make you more relaxed. Certainly makes me more relaxed. You know, I walk in there and I say, I know I'm good for this. I just need to show it. 
right? I'm going to show the, the qualities that I'm proud of to these people, right? So food for thought. All right, good. So we're, we're, we're getting to this point where, you know, the, the question is in front of us, right? We're, we're not quite at the meet the middle of the interview station. Mm. Um, we still need to deconstruct the question. That's the last part of the beginning, the opening of any MMI or panel interview question. I think they sometimes give you a little sheet of paper in the MMI that might be sitting next to you for you mm. to structure your thoughts. What are you going to do with that, Aaron? That's right. So step one, read the question. <laughs> this is why we get paid the big bucks, guys. No, I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, read the question. Um, so Mitch, in fact, we conveniently have a question in front of us and you know this is much like an mmi we're sitting across from each other sitting across from each other we just Perhaps, press mm, the refresh button on our handy dandy phrases interview question generator tm which is I actually pretty good i <laughs> I, was, I was involved with its creation way back when i think it's still still reasonably relevant mm. today i think so um anyway that that's that's us spruiking that little tool it's really useful um, phrases interview question generator. Just Google that. TM. TM. I don't know. Is it trademarked? It's definitely it's not trademarked. Not trademarked. Um, so yeah, anybody out there can make a copy of it. <laughs> don't. Um, so anyway, so this is the question. And I'm going to pitch a question to Mitch and then Mitch is going to pitch a question to me and we'll show you guys how to sort of open one of these MMI questions. The question is, you're working at Monash Medical Center as a medical student. A nurse comes up to you and exclaims, are you with the medical team? She goes on to explain that a patient has been discharged from hospital with the wrong medication about two hours ago. What are some of the issues here? Right. I won't go into the rest of the questions. There's a couple of others on this sheet. But Mitch, can you tell me, you're opening this MMI question answer um, and you, know, you have to identify the issues. So how, how do you go about opening this answer? Yeah, I suppose um, you need to appreciate the complexity of the question. But I wouldn't labor the point too much. You know, you want to say, this is this is a very complex question. Um, I think the major issues here are, and I suppose what we're talking about is someone who has assumed that you are probably more senior than you are, and they've told you about something that could be dangerous for a particular patient. So we're thinking about patient safety. Um, we're also thinking about communication. Um, and... Look, I suppose we're thinking about the medical student's role and responsibility within the, the team. And I'm sure there are many other, you know, issues that you could draw out of that situation. I don't think um, you, for a question like that, you necessarily need to hit every one of them. But you need to pick some salient issues um, that are relevant and you need to be able to discuss them in detail. And what we've done, I suppose, by extracting those issues is that, you know, we have framed our answer to then go about those issues. Now, we were talking about the, um, you know, the pen and paper. You could write those issues down. I think that takes too long. I would just recommend, you know, having your your hand and just squeezing your fingers to sort of say those different issues mm. and keep them in the back of your mind as you are going to address these three points during yep. your answer. Your signposting. That's that's absolutely critical. And a good signpost is not just uh, an easy way for you to show your examiners that you know. You're on the ball and you have some ideas in the back of your head. It's also a key tool for you to prevent you from rambling, which is a huge problem. You know, if, if that question was thrown to me and, you know, I pause at the beginning and then I'm like, well, the first thing I would do is I would go talk to the staff about this. And then because it's a really complicated situation. Oh, and actually, you know what? As a medical student, maybe I shouldn't be involved. It's a mess. You know, like mm. that's that's a, a 
pile of nonsense because it's completely disorganized. And while within it, you may mention things that are correct, that's not something that any reasonable person can action. If you were talking to nursing staff and that's what you gave them, they'd be saying things like, well, like, well, what do you want me to do? What, what are you going to do about it? Like, you just you trauma dumped on me, essentially. Mm. Right. And, and it's, it's a sheer and utter panic. Right. What you need to say is, yep, it's complicated. These are the issues. One, two and three. Mm. Okay? Very clearly. And I suppose if you can if you can say that patient safety is the most important issue, you know, I think that goes to show to the, the, the interviewers that you know where the patient sits in the medical, you know, model. You understand what it's all about. You're not necessarily showing that you are, you know, a doctor or any by any stretch of the imagination. That's not what they're assessing. They're assessing, you know, do you think like a doctor, which is knowing that patients are at the center of everything we do in medicine. So I suppose having that, you know, as your as your first point and then being able to move off those points in the the body of your answer is is really the key to going about that first part of the question. Hmm. Um, as Aaron said, yep, it will stop you from rambling. If you feel yourself rambling, try and bring yourself back to the main point, which is, you know, what was my point? Keep thinking, what was my point? The Always point was signpost. patient hmm. safety. Good, you're back on the point again. And then when you're finished addressing patient safety, you can then say communication might you know and and then talk about communication for a while and then after that you can talk about your role and responsibility within the team and i think that is probably the lesser of the issues um so that can be something that you use just to to fill time um but you know still remain on point um for you know however long you're supposed to be speaking for that particular question okay well Aaron, we've, we've got a, another question from our handy-dandy generate MMI station, our, our phrases MMI station generator. So let's, let's see how, how you approach this one. Let, just wait while it loads. Um, okay, so you're a fourth-year medical student doing a rural GP placement, and you are seeing a patient who inquired about his test results. They arrived this morning and indicate that he has stage 3 cancer. The GP is away from the clinic and may be three hours away. What would you do in this situation and why? Absolutely. Now, again, we're not going to go into the details of how we answer this question entirely. I think that that's uh, sort of not within the scope of this episode. Mm. But what we will be talking about is how do I open this and how do I signpost it? So again, as Mitch was saying earlier, the first thing to do is to acknowledge that this is a really complicated situation because it is, right? Um, and it shows your examiner that you know that there's lots of elements to it. It also gives you a hot second to step back from the sheer panic of trying to answer a question that you just read. Absolutely. Right? And collect your thoughts. So it's sort of you're buying yourself time while pretending to be a mature and reasonable And I think we, we, we've said both, both times mm. that this is a, it's a complicated question. You'll be in, going into different MMI station rooms, so you won't be sounding like a stuck record. Mm. And this is a very you know appropriate thing to think of as a, a complex question. If you're blasé about someone who has you know, cancer, yeah. um, that would be seen as maybe yeah. not. And if you think that this is not a complicated question because, oh, I would just tell them, you're wrong, okay? <laughs> Let that sink in. I cannot be more adamant about this. You're wrong if you think this is not complicated. Yeah. All right, good. Now that I've... I've that, that was like dark Aaron <laughs> coming in for a hot second <laughs> to save you from saying something terrible in your interview. Um, so, uh, well, like I said, complicated situation. Let's talk about the issues. So, firstly, right, the issue that is sort of glaring here is that where we're talking about the tyranny of distance and the challenges that rural health faces, right? We have somebody who's critically ill, 
right? And, you know, pretending that you don't know anything about staging of cancer, stage three cancer does not sound good. Um, so there's that in the context of a GP being two or three hours away, whatever distance it was, right? So that's your first issue that you're facing, mm. right? The second issue, right, is that there is a critically ill patient, right? And the only person in the GP clinic is you, which I suppose is sort of the flip side of the rural rural health coin where there's there's a medical student there that's unsupervised that's being forced by hook or by crook to to confront not necessarily deal with but confront uh, very complicated medical situations that are outside their scope of practice or your scope of practice right so that's the the second issue right and Mm -hmm. finally and most important is of course the question of patient safety right because there for whatever reason is a patient that was at risk of getting a cancer diagnosis has now landed on a cancer diagnosis, right? But they're in an unsupported environment, so their safety is compromised. And you know, I don't know if this stage three cancer is an urgent problem, right, depending on the cancer, or it's a problem that can be dealt with within three hours, but either way, it's inappropriate for something like this. You know, it does happen, unfortunately, but you know, we're concerned about patient safety. It's an inappropriate and unsafe situation, potentially based on the patient's diagnosis. Mm. So. To wrap that up with a nice bow, complicated and multifactorial situation. I'm worried about patient safety. I'm worried about my scope of practice and responsibilities. And also, I'm highlighting the, uh, I suppose, the danger or the pitfalls or the problems we deal with in Australia because of the tyranny of distance, because specialists and doctors can be hard to get at when you're in the countryside. There you go. See, summarize that in couple of seconds and then you launch into the meat of your answer Mm, absolutely and then if the person has on their marking sheet you know these four points are important they know whether you get to them or not that you know the four points Mm. so you know really think about that as putting all the 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 stuff in your back pocket so that you've you've addressed everything you've gotten the content you know point and then from there you're just showing how real how much you know and and showing your flair for, for your nuance and understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really how you access the higher echelons and the marking schemes. Absolutely. Now, in the last couple of minutes of this episode, I think we need to talk about how you end an interview station, right? Because we've talked about walking in, we've talked about making a good first impression and signposting. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you wrap things up? Now, I think the most important thing to mention about wrapping up a question is that you should know when to stop talking, all right? So it's the exact opposite of what Mitch and I do on this podcast, where we set out to do a 20 minute episode and record a 40 minute one, right? You have to, when you've said all there is to say, right? When you've Mm. talked about all three of your signposts, do not repeat yourself. Do not start talking about the same things that you've already said previously, which is the same as repeating myself, which is exactly what I did. See how bad that sounded, right? It's absolutely normal, reasonable. It's okay to simply say, that's all I've got to say right and then stop and sit there in silence for a minute right you know maybe not silence maybe pleasantries you know give them a good smile say that's the end of my answer do not be forced to talk until the bell do not feel obliged to do that Mm. i i how long does one spend i mean if if the station length let's pretend is five minutes and you think you've said everything you need to say within you know one minute two minutes Perhaps you haven't thought about one of the key issues. Um, so I would use that time just to, you know, say, and that, and that's what I have to say about, about that. And then try and, you know, quickly double back and see if there's something that you've missed. Mm. Mind you, when, when Mitch says double back, he doesn't mean no pause. He doesn't mean just like divert 180 degrees. 
say, that's all I have to say about that, then pause, find out exactly what it is that you've missed, and then start talking about it. Don't just launch into an uncontrolled ramble, mm. hoping that your words are somehow going to lead to something relevant. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, because remember there, thinking about not only your, you know, the content of your answer, but the quality of your thought processing. So if you're, if you're just making random ramblings that are, which we call tangential, you know, that, that's something that is not akin to well-formed arguments, well-thought-through, um, I suppose, cognitive processes, which mm. is what ultimately they need you to have and what they're selecting for mm. in future doctors. Absolutely. I remember that, that you know, I, MMI interviewed in multiple, multiple locations, and at the end of one of my MMIs, I ran out of time on every station, and the other MMI that came later was a bit more experienced than I talked maybe a minute or 30 seconds under, um, and the, the end result was there are key points that I missed in the MMI that I talked until the bell in because I, I had no plan for getting all the information across. And then the MMI where I had a minute or so to spare at the end, right? I talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. And you know, when, when I said, that's it, uh, we sat across from each other, the interviewer and I, we smiled at each other. The interviewer um, politely told me that he was not allowed to talk about anything other than the football. Uh, which is great for me because I'm a tennis man. Um, so it, it was very, very amicable and it wasn't awkward. And, you know, got him. That's all that matters, right? Got him good. Got him good. <laughs> um, so, right. Be be sort of succinct and to the point with your ending, mm. right? When you're done, the bell rings. You stand up. You say... You give them a fist bump. You, give them a fist, you, say, you scream yee-haw at the top of your lungs. <laughs> no, you say thank you. Right. You walk out, and the minute you're at that door, you forget about that station. Absolutely. Right. Big big brain wipe, please. Remember, yeah, your your last impression is going to be the lasting one. Mm-hmm. They're going to be sitting there whilst the next candidate goes through, you know, the, the, the reading of the next station, and they are going to be marking you. So, you know, try and have a lasting impression of someone, again, that is warm, that is open, um, and has the makings of a doctor. What is that? Just someone who's professional. Ultimately, there are lots of different types of doctors out there. So just, you know, keep that in mind. Give them a smile and then walk to the door and get out of there. Mm-hmm. And f- as Aaron said, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Forget about it. Um, and the entire time you're there, nice, clear, loud voice and big open body language, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody's interested in listening to your mumble, right? And nobody's going to be impressed by your head if it's staring at the floor, right? Rather than looking the interviewers at the in the eye and, and you know, mm. having a good a good reasonable gaze, um, you know, with the person you're trying to have a good reasonable conversation with. So, I these, suppose, mm-hmm. yeah. I was just saying when you're practicing these things in front of the mirror, that that's really what you're practicing. The content you can practice in your car. You don't have to be looking at the mirror or recording yourself when you're practicing the content necessarily, although that is also useful for tone and other things. But mm. the mirror, seeing the way your face is, right? That's that's all about body language training. Mm, absolutely. And it, yeah, it, it, it goes a long way, M- much further in many ways than the content of your, of, of your answer. So really, you just need to make sure that you are looking the part and that you are coming across as organized. And beyond that, I think you know, that, that gets you a, a good step of the way. Mm, absolutely. Alrighty, gang. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting about uh, one of our hobby horses. Um, uh, we will that see... hasn't been flogged? That hasn't, that hasn't been flogged. The unflogged hobby horse. <laughs> um, give it a couple of years. 
So, uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you at the next Breed Mission Game episode.